This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show and I'm joined by Debbie Spink who's a holistic therapist and forest bathing guide so we're discussing all things the outdoors today. Deb, thanks for coming on the show. Hi Mike, thanks for having me here. So one of the things that I want to start off with is how did you become so passionate about the outdoors? How did that start? Yeah, it's interesting that um, it started early on with myself. My mum would be out gardening and explaining all the processes of regrowth and all the different plant names. And she'd tell me this tree is called laburnum and this is called a silver birch. And there would be lots of pot marigolds self-seeded around the garden. So there was all this cycle of life that she brought me into. And it is really important because if people, young people aren't introduced to nature early on by, say, the age of seven, then often they find it much more of a barrier, much more difficult to get into embracing nature at a later stage. So it is really important for young kids of up to that age to really be able to get out in nature and experience just the curiosity of a small child just exploring the environment. I always remember when I was a little kid, we had to plant seeds. We got little carton pots and we put seeds in and we watered them and we were taught how to grow plants. And it was only a basic thing. It was nothing complicated, but it was something that we were able to watch grow over months to years in some cases when the plants got really big. Is that something that you see still happen with kids or have you noticed a bit of a shift with that? It still does happen and schools tend to have little wildlife areas in the grounds. Um, Everything from getting the pack of cress and growing it on as like hair on top of this uh, face, you can get those and do those indoors. Um, But then also really getting out and I know a lot of parents myself included were horrified when children came back head to foe dripping with mud and mom I fell over and (laughs) perhaps that's one of the joys of being a child just being able to do that and to deprive people of those experiences of getting out and just getting the hands in mud, making mud pies and throwing leaves about and rolling about in the leaves, diving in huge piles of leaves, finding that special moment when you find a frog or a pool with tadpoles in it. There's all those little micro moments that become embedded memories for people as they get older that really trigger this sense of peace, happiness, this playful curiosity and freedom that children have unburdened by all adult responsibilities. So it can be really valuable, not just as children and in their development, but as adults going back and looking and things when we go out in nature now as adults, it can trigger all these memories and these happy moments and that sense of peace and inner tranquility. Do you ever find that there's a correlation between, let's say, people that go out a lot as kids, how that transfers into growing up versus someone that doesn't go out a lot, has a more technology-based upbringing, shall we say, Have you come across any comparisons between those two kinds of people? Well, it's it's interesting that in these days that studies have shown that the average American spends 93% of life indoors and the UK, it's also over 90%. And 83% of the UK people now live in an urban environment with 60% of adults spending five hours or less a week outside. 
So it really has been a big shift over the years to an indoor sedentary kind of lifestyle. So that impacts on people. We've seen it with physicality, with um, less strength and mobility, especially as people get older. Um, and then with the mental health as well, the, there can be a big shift between people spending so much time inside and on the phones and in this different technological world as people that are out indoors and spending time outside. If you think about being outdoors, you suddenly, your senses come alive because your hearing is expanded like 360 degrees. You can hear birds in the distance, birds near to you and different things, even natural sounds, traffic and a plane going ahead overhead. It's when we're in four walls, it just really dampens all the senses. So it can be a real difference when people get outside. So yeah, coming back to your question with, um, with children, yeah, it can be really exacerbated as children um, when they're in these two conversive dynamics what i found over the years as well is there's a big like when things change that's something that we notice the way i would describe it is if you spend a lot of time away from nature being in nature is a big step you really feel the difference when you change your environment and then vice versa of like if you're outside all the time moving house let's say into a city you really feel the difference is that something that you experienced as well which is why you started the, the forest bathing or why would you say that you got involved with the forest bathing side yeah I've as I say I started off being connected with nature through my mum and then I went on to do 10 years of gardening. I did work as a professional gardener for the National Trust. And then I was self-employed for seven years. So I've had extensive sort of time being in nature. And then conversely, I ended up doing a warehouse job where it was clocking, um, you'd be in a warehouse with the fluorescent strip lighting. Then I used to like to try and get on the top floor, the fourth floor, because there was little perspex, uh, <laughs> little perspex <laughs> windows in the top floor where yeah. you could kind of see patches of natural light. So that was like, at least I could see some natural daylight. If it was sunny, it was like, yeah, that makes a bit of a difference. But yeah, really in that kind of environment, I really felt disconnected and it was, I used to dread going to work. So I have been in two kind of extreme environments with both with and without nature. So yeah, that really fueled me to really get back into nature and that's where the forest bathing came in. So what's your favourite part of being outside because you've done everything from gardening to forest bathing and you seem very passionate about the outdoors just in general what's your favorite part it's just that mystique that especially in forests you can't see straight over to the opposite side of the wood or anything you've got all the trees in the way so it's like a little corridor you go around the trail and you don't know what you can find um there could be toadstools on on like dead logs there could be deer that you come across um i've come across like a thrush that's uh, got a snail and it's tapping it on a rock to expose the the flesh so it can eat so these are like magical moments for me and anybody can uh, you don't need to necessarily go through a forest bathing session although there's benefits for that as well but you can go out yourself and just experience these little magical moments in nature and that's just what really makes my heart sing that um 
there's all these possibilities. You can come out suddenly into a glade in the wood and there might be a little stream and all the sounds of bird songs. So there's so many possibilities. And I just like that kind of exploration where you can just see what unfolds. That's what I really wanted to a picture as well. That's what I associate with it. That's what I associate with being outside, experiencing nature. You've got to be able to be prepared to explore. You've got to be prepared to go out there, experience it, be present with what's going on. Because they're just doing their thing, aren't they? Plants are doing their thing. Animals are just doing their thing. You're out there essentially observing it and trying to fully experience what's going on. Talk us through your first exposure to that. Talk us through, because if you're new to this, if you've got no idea what we're talking about, for someone out there, it's going to be their first time. It's going to be the first time really going right. I want to go out for a couple of hours and I'm just going to be with nature. Talk people through what it was like for you and what could other people experience as well? Well, for myself, um, going out in nature has just been a constant throughout my life. So it's hard to pick out when that first moment was but there's a picture of me about four years old and I'm squatting over this little slug and just really taking in that moment and there is different ways that you can experience nature so I would say somebody that wants to have deep immersive moments in nature um, with forest bathing we do um mindfully exploring nature through the senses so you might just want to pick one sense perhaps go find a spot and always say to people the most important thing is to stop completely just stop and experience the moment because when we're multitasking even walking is like multitasking if you're walking and think listening or exploring but to stop you can feel the difference sometimes when you've been walking along at quite a pace and you stop you still feel the circulation going you still feel everything traveling around your body you feel a briskness and then it just starts to settle and once you've got your body settled in that moment you can then start exploring through the senses so perhaps close your eyes and just listen to everything going around um, and then open your eyes, just taking the view from different angles and focus on the horizon because quite often we're in indoors, we're, we're looking at a screen or we're looking at the TV, so we get limited depth of vision. Um, so we don't experience that looking out to the horizon and stretching our eyes to that point of view. So it really is like exploring with the senses. Um, so and then I would say just sit with your emotions and whatever comes up and just feel that and reflect on them. So this is a process that I call stop, sense and sit. So we've had the, the stop completely and then sense everything with each, each individual sense, the touch, uh, sight, hearing, um, and then to sit with it and just sit with what comes up because people can be triggered with different memories or emotions because you're getting from the sympathetic fight or flight response to the parasympathetic mode which is like rest and digest and it can really open up things if if people suffer from trauma then they can experience powerful emotions that come up because it's um, the body's allowing the amygdala to be triggered that's all memories and emotions so it can be powerful and if people do experience things that come up for them sometimes when I'm leading forest bathing groups people can become emotional uh, and that should pass 
but if if you really struggle with that and um get worried about that you can always see your gp seek seek help because uh it can be really profound i've found if there's one thing that i used to struggle with a lot more than i do now and sometimes it still crops up sometimes is the idea of multitasking and i've noticed sometimes i can multitask with just my to-do list just the task that i'm doing today i'm doing one thing and another thing while doing something else while doing something else and what i found is i can transfer over to feelings and emotions that we're trying to multitask with our feelings and our thoughts and we're trying to latch on to everything we're trying to understand everything but that that can be quite dangerous can't it like you're trying to force yourself to notice everything it almost overwhelms people quite a lot doesn't it if we try to do that it can do that's why as a like just starting off with a process it can be useful just to hone in on one sense and explore with that forest bathing we've found is quite gentle um gary evans the director and co-founder of the forest bathing institute has explored this in research and said that forest bathing is a very gentle entry point to deep relaxation for some of the most vulnerable people in society so this gives the potential for the nhs to help use this tool to help thousands and millions of people because it's an outward focusing process rather than meditations more internal focusing on your body and anything that's coming up emotionally internally it can be a lot more easily accessible than to do forest bathing rather than the meditation process which people if they are suffering from mental health issues can really be quite a confrontational process sometimes um but it is useful just to focus on being in the moment on just experiencing what's there in front of you as it has been proven that people are just multitasking, which people think that they're lot, doing lots of different things at once. But actually what they're doing is focus, switch, focus, switch. And it's all this juggling that really leads to people getting burnt out, um, people um, not being able to concentrate, they're losing the focus on memory, um, and Johan Hari, an expert in focus and attention, has uh, explained that one of the leading neuroscientists, Professor L. Miller, found that people can only actually focus on one thing at a time. If you think you're doing all this multitasking, it's actually you focus and refocus. So you're constantly switching and this kind of rapid refocusing really stresses your mental bandwidth and it can cause significant memory loss and it can force more mistakes that we have to go back and cre- uh, correct. We get less creativity when we're filling our brains up with all this uh, information and switching and having to deal with multiple things at once. It really has been established that there is this problem. In fact, Hewlett Packard did a study on IQ level and had two groups doing a task, one that did a task uninterrupted, and the others were interrupted constantly with text and emails. And the uninterrupted group tested 10 points higher in IQ level than the interrupted group. And the to give this perspective, people getting stoned in the act of that, it causes the IQ to drop by five points. So in effect, you could actually get stoned and still be higher in IQ than somebody that's juggling dozens of different <laughs> interruptions. Oh, wow. So 
so neither of those options are, are uh, ideal at all. So it's uh, it's good to focus on one task. That's why a lot of experts in self help will say just cut off um, cut off all your technology and put your phone away and just concentrate on one task at once. I think um, the art of deep focus is getting lost. So bring it back to forest bathing. It's just great to be able to switch off everything and get into that moment and just really immerse yourself in nature. And people have come up with, they've just said, it's a totally new experience for me to experience nature in this way. It's really made me feel so peaceful. Some people have said they've been on different kinds of retreats and things, but it's taken them two or three days to get into the state of relaxation that it has on a three-hour forest bathing session. So it really can help to get people feeling so much more relaxed. You mentioned meditation before, which made me think really that because it's so internal when you meditate, it's not a whole lot of external focus on like what you mentioned with the, the forest bathing side. Is Do you think that's where meditation struggles is people struggle to know that they're doing it right? They don't know if they're meditating correctly or there's a sense of because the start point is just noticing your thoughts and feelings that it can almost feel too simple where people struggle to really grasp it like they can't wrap their head around it because they can't figure out why it's so simple and straightforward yeah people can struggle with it um, on a few levels like you say uh, people fear that they don't do it correctly but in fact it's just been sitting with your body and experiencing, trying to quieten the mind, just trying to let things go. So it's not necessarily that you're not going to have thoughts and they're not going to come up, but it's just been awareness in the moment that, oh, there's a thought, and then just like a bubble, just let it go and drift off on the breeze. People think that they should be sat there and it should be they should be in silence and there should be nothing coming up in the brain, but that's not the case at all. But also it's like a continuous process that builds on each each session. So the founding studies that the more that you practice, the more it correlates with uh, the brain changing form and function. So there's less of the reactive response of like the reptilian brain and there's more of the thoughtful considerating prefrontal cortex um, action so they found that in in studies that these beneficial effects correlate with the amount of time that people spend doing the meditation process but it is people see things like enlightenment and think that that's the thing to aspire to. And it's it's a bit like studying for anything where it like saying getting a black belt in martial arts, spend all that time trying and hoping to progress to that thing. But actually you can just, it's about acceptance of where you are and what, what comes up and, um, just accepting that as the process. So it it can take discipline and a lot of time to take time to go through the meditation process, uh, but it is worth it. There are plenty of benefits that have been shown through meditation as well. Do you ever find that it's the desire to be perfect with it like the whole perfectionism and then we get so judgmental of ourselves don't we if we don't do it perfectly it gives us the chance to be negative to ourselves doesn't it if if perfection is the aim we never reach it we end up beating ourselves up every day and meditating to justify 
being negative to ourselves all the time how how do you see a lot of the insecurities that people have like perfectionism judging ourselves all those kinds of things how does that play into someone's ability to meditate to get outdoors more to maybe attempt forest bathing because I found that people can stop doing these things because they've judged themselves harshly they don't know if they're doing it but it's based on a perfect picture of what it would look like talk us through all those things and how would you help someone try desperately Deb desperately to not it's so wrapped up inside their own head with it all yeah certainly it's it's something that can be a problem that negativity comes up because we feel we're not succeeding and there's this ideal this perfectionism you see it on social media instagram things of the like the guru sat in the lotus position and meditating <laughs> You get these these kinds of information. You think, well, I can only do two minutes, therefore I'm I'm rubbish. So, but for those two minutes, you have succeeded. You've done the meditation. So, you should applaud yourself and really acknowledge and celebrate yourself for whatever um, level you're at. And it can fluctuate, things can fluctuate, whether you're doing it consistently and building on it, then you might take a knock back and then have to start again and build up the level again. But each time it's like when they say couch to 5K or something, if you're not on the couch and you're moving, then you're succeeding, you're doing it. So it just has to be the journey and actually taking part and taking action and if you celebrate every little action that you do and building on what you're actually doing rather than looking forwards and seeing a lack on what you're not doing then you're going to feel so much better about it and better about yourself. One of the things that I'm curious about with meditating, forest bathing, all of the mindfulness and mental health elements is a lot of people struggle with measuring their progress they struggle with how do they measure it how do they know that they're on the right path and my assumption is it's the length of time that you spend doing it it's how many repetitions that you get of doing the thing that can make a difference. But I found people really struggle with monitoring progress and measuring all of the, the mindfulness activities, really. How, how would you suggest people go about doing that? Well, it can help to see what other people have experienced and see if there's any correlation to what you're doing uh, awareness yourself about how you're feeling if it's working for you if you're feeling calmer because you've done 20 minute meditation practice every day then it's working for you so often you can compare to others but you don't necessarily need to go outside of yourself if you're self-aware of feeling benefit then you don't really need to look any further. But if you do want to, there's options there to like participate in a group, like a group meditation or group forest bathing. Um, when we do the forest bathing, it really opens up um, other, to other people's experiences. So we do group sharing circles and it can really inspire people to say, oh, yeah, they saw this um, in this exercise. Um, this came up for them and uh, really expands your own awareness and uh, possibility of what can occur and what can happen as well. So it can really feed off each other's different experiences, which brings a more well-rounded and profound effect for everybody in the session. What it 
does bring up for me, Deb, is this idea of, especially with the sharing circles that you mentioned, is it helps you understand that everyone has a different experience. So let's say there's 10 people they're going through the, the observations and exercises, the breathing, the meditating, whatever the case is. And then when you share in a group, just that understanding of, hey, they did the same thing as me, but they have a completely different experience and takeaway than I would have, or I have had. Speak to that a little bit in terms of when we go into our general daily life, knowing that other people have different experiences than you can be very profound just day to day, like especially with social media, the way that people live. Some people have this assumption that how I experience life is how everybody else experiences life. And I would never do what they're doing, given I'm supposed to have the same life experience as they have. Sometimes just that flip of the coin into, hey, everyone has a different experience of life than you do. How can they possibly think, say, feel the same as you and therefore their actions would be different? So talk to us a little bit, Deb, about how the experiences in something like meditation, forest bathing, mindfulness type activities, how do they transition into daily life? I hear a lot that you meditate to get better at life, not get better at meditation. So how does that fit in with improving people and getting better just as a person? It really is down to each person's individual experiences and what they bring to the table, what comes up for them. And um, it's just that variety. If if we all were the same and experience the same, then we'd all have exactly the same outcome. So uh, there are so many potential benefits from doing all these exercises, but it might be different for each kind of person because they come and bring to the table all these varied experiences. Um, with forest bathing, I've had people say it reminds me from being being back in childhood and playing in the forest, playing with leaves and really getting getting down and dirty in nature, as it were. And these are people in like the 40s and they've just uh, never actually climbed a tree. So it really can be so profound for them, the difference and people come into it from different points of view and people therefore get different effects which can all affect them in different very different and very positive ways not always positive as I say but um, sometimes it can trigger things but but yeah generally people find it very relaxing and very positive what would you say has been some of the more profound effects? Have you ever had someone change within the session? Can it happen that quickly when people start to shift their their mindset and, in some cases, their mental health? Yeah, well, um, first of all, I guess there are people that are growing up in um, urban environments with maybe parents that didn't go out and engage in nature. So it's not something that's brought, they're brought up within the family. And if they've got a different focus in life, then that can just compound that they never actually engage to that level. Um, some people are brought up that um, like the forest is like full of creepy crawlies. It's, dirty it's got mold and spores and infection infections and all sorts of things that people don't want to touch so they'll be like that's dirty don't touch and I think it um with this pandemic uh, a lot of people are going to be um 
trying to overcome these effects of don't touch things in your environment. It, they're dirty, they're infected. Um, so I know a lot of people have been brought up that that they need to keep themselves to themselves. So, But we can't judge how people are brought up and their environment, but all we can do is facilitate the enrichment of what's possible, what's out there, and guide them in like a proactive way into how they can develop and hone these skills to really get immersed in nature. So so we take people from whatever starting point they come into and help them gradually uh, increase their awareness and their abilities to get into nature and really it's it's uh, just not being judgmental for yourself and just accepting people as they are and what we want to do is facilitate positivity and looking forward to broadening horizons and accepting people as they are and really helping people to accomplish feeling more fulfilled through nature, feeling more at peace, more tranquility, or that they've had an experience that maybe maybe has been enlightening or profound. Some people perhaps that have spent lots and lots of time with nature might not have as much dramatic sort of response to a nature session and a forest bathing session because they have been into and used to all that kind of environment before. But then there's always the opportunity with those people to harness that even further and go deeper and deeper into a session and really get absolutely immersed in nature. So that's the focus on what the uh, sessions come about with. So how can people listening start this process of being immersed in nature a lot more, trying to detach a little bit from technology, smartphones, screens, computers, even smartwatches at the moment. You know, everyone's obsessed with their smartwatches. How would you suggest people gradually start that transition? Have you got like a a top three or top five suggestions for people to try to integrate the outdoors a lot more and try to put down their technology and devices? Yeah, there's... uh pyramid of sort of effects that you can do so day to day you might just do 10 minutes engaging in nature then once a week you might do an hour's walk perhaps Uh, if you can do that maybe once a month or once a fortnight to do like a say a two or three hour forest bathing session or a walk in nature for that long Uh, and then maybe once a month or once every couple of months, spend two or three days out in nature, maybe a camping weekend or a little cottage that's straight out into nature. So you can build on what you can do daily as to what you can do weekly and then have a focus fortnightly, monthly, and then those one-offs. And with forest bathing, we've found that a two or three hour forest bathing session will bring benefits for for up to two weeks thereafter. Um, So benefits can be everything from as well as being helpful for uh, stress and relaxation. It can help with lowering blood pressure In fact, it evens up blood pressure. So if you've got high blood pressure, being out in the forest can bring it down. And wherever wherever you've got low blood pressure, it can help bring the uh, levels back up to an acceptable level. So there's no no pill in, uh, in like pharmaceuticals that can simultaneously do that and balance it out. Um, It's also... Being in the forest can help with boosting immunity and 
helping with boosting natural killer T cell levels. Um, there's so many more benefits that that really help with um, helping with memory and um, memory loss and concentration, uh, focus, all those kind of things. Um, and this this works because the forest is emitting phytoncides, which are like compound chemicals emitted from the leaves. And the plants do this in nature just to help fight off pests and diseases, quite antibacterial, antimicrobial. And these chemicals filter down through the atmosphere in the leaves and we breathe them in when it's when we're in the forest air. Also, the plants are producing oxygen as a byproduct of the photosynthesis where they make the food in the leaves. So this higher oxygen level makes sure that the air's a bit purer. It's, it's a lot more healthy for you. So it, you really are getting a multitude of benefits. And I think that it's been said that there's about 50% more beneficial compounds in forest atmosphere than there is in like the aromatherapy essential oils. So aromatherapy essential oils, there are plenty of beneficial essential compounds from the leaves, but you lose some in that um, process of um, the steam distillation of getting the product. So there is more beneficial products uh, actually in nature. This is the forest air that you're experiencing, uh, as well as all the mindfulness and relaxation you're getting all the benefits wrapped into one it's been proven that you can get all these benefits by going out in nature one of the things that i did want to touch on is the impact of the world famous pandemic that we're in right now thing that everyone's obsessed with at the minute is the pandemic how it's affecting everybody the long-term effects and I'm really curious about how we can mitigate some of the downsides. So someone's been isolating, self-isolating, cutting themselves off, not going outside as much. Is there a bit of a, a program that people can put themselves on to get to the other side of it? And how would you suggest we do that? Yeah, there certainly has been profound effects. And I know I've been isolating recently to uh, it's often enforced isolation, meaning you're not allowed to leave the house uh, if you've got COVID. So people can be for two, two or three weeks at a time, not being able to get out, not being able to do things that normally do. And it does impact you. You do feel trapped and so to get little and often as much as you can if you've got a garden or just it can really help in little ways just if you say in a flat perhaps if you can open the windows if you've got trees nearby just to listen to the birds or watch the trees um it's been shown that in like hospital recovery rates that People that are in hospital that have an up a window that looks out onto trees and nature, they get better recovery rates than people that are looking out over a car park or brick walls and things. So even just the sight of nature, if you can't even do that, um, picture having pictures of nature or even looking at pictures on your phone conversely ironically as that sounds it's like <laughs> if yeah. you if you look at pictures of nature on your phone and maybe listen to sounds of the forest there's plenty of um plenty of uh sounds and things that you can get on youtube and that of forest different kinds of forests and bird song and rivers and even uh, sea and whale songs. So there's plenty of nature sounds that you can really sit back and try and 
imbibe into you. So that's that's at a sort of basic level. You can also, if you've got natural wood formations, I've got a bit of driftwood that I picked up in Scotland. So just looking at and handling natural formation wood, apparently fractals are like where the nature's natural curves and things are relaxing and beneficial to look at. Say outside your window, if there's a tree, tree branches and tree leaves, they've got all fractals in which are beneficial just to look at and absorb. So you can do that um, with pot plants. If you've got a pot plant, you can do the same, just mindfully explore maybe with touch touching the leaves so these are small things that you can do even when you're inside and confined if you can get out a ways if you're feeling anxious about going outside after you've been inside for a long while then just explore as far as you feel comfortable maybe perhaps out in the garden first um maybe then go for a short walk. If you can get out into the countryside, it's it's better than walking in an urban environment. But you might want to just go f- uh, for a park walk. Uh, perhaps if it's um, the weather's amenable, you might want to find a nice tree and sit under it, study that for a while. So these are uh, similar things that you can do to the forest bathing session. I think it's important to share things like this because especially in a world where some people are cut off generally, maybe they live in a city and it's so difficult for them to experience the outdoors as much as they would like. Maybe you've got people that want to do the lifestyle thing where they do a little bit often as opposed to a full immersive experience of being out in a forest or going for park walk. I think there is a way of integrating things in. But Deb, just before we get to the last couple of questions, do you think we can recover from the pandemic, the isolation and all those kinds of things? Do you think we can do that? And do you think it's actually possible for us to reverse some of the indoor slash technology elements that we've built up over the years? I think it's certainly doable. And I think a lot of people have been out in nature um, during the pandemic, Uh, certainly in the UK, That was one of the few freedoms that we did fortunately have that we could have initially an hour's walk in nature or outside. So we were lucky in that respect. And a lot of people, because you had to stay local, people found little gems on the doorstep that they would never find previously. I know I found that, uh, found several new pathways and, through farmland and all sorts of new forests and things that was within close vicinity. So so a lot of people have found new ways of connecting with nature, but then still we have a tendency to go back and spend hours sitting indoors. We've got perhaps office jobs, uh, jobs where we have to sit in behind a desk or in a vehicle and drive for hours and spending lots of time indoors and then trying to get outdoors, especially in winter when it's cold and dark, it really leaves little access to nature that we can easily get when sometimes you go to work in the dark and then you come home in the dark. So, the only opportunity you might have is like, say, a half an hour break in, in your lunch at lunchtime. So just to try and make sure that you take advantage of those little opportunities. The worst thing we can do is 
kind of sit, sit, stay sitting in our desk when when we've got our lunch break and continue on scrolling through the phone because if we've been sat at a desk looking at computers all day, then it's just compounding that effect when we're sat on our phone all all the time. So it really helps to just take take your mind off things if you're feeling overwhelmed. Um, if you've got information flying at you through all, all sort of aspects, then just to take that moment out, you can just go outside for a few moments and really breathe and deep breaths, calm yourself, just let all the racing thoughts just subside and take in nature, maybe if there's some flowers that are scented, just smell the flowers and it, it can make all the difference. I really hope that we can recover from the last few years of trying to cope with the pandemic and trying to deal with some of the ramifications of it. And I personally think that being outdoors a lot more is a big part of that, which is why I wanted the chance to talk to today Deb so how can people find out more about you if they're curious if they're keen they want to learn more how can they find you and learn more about what you do yeah I'm on Facebook so Debbie Spink and on Instagram at Debbie Spink 12 and I have a website debbiespink.com Awesome, Deb. Well, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. For those that are listening, feel free to subscribe if you haven't already so you can check out all of our future episodes. And I look forward to seeing you all again on the next episode. Just before you take off, if you'd like to join my inner circle, which is accountability, access to me, and you also get the chance to have exclusive interviews with my podcast guests. If you click the link in the description for the podcast, you get a two-month free trial in the inner circle. I shall see you on the other side.